It's a question we have all asked ourselves at one time or another. What is my purpose in life? And while we all have many gifts and desires that are unique to us as individuals, we were all created for this one purpose, to glorify God our Father. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. So in a world focused only on self, we want to shift the paradigm to be purposeful women of God. So join us as we change our focus from me to thee. Hello and welcome to the Purposeful Women of God podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Tabitha. Thank you so much for sharing your Tuesday with us today. We are officially now in the Christmas season. Now you can decorate for Christmas. Thanksgiving is over. So now I can take my fall stuff off my porch and put my, yeah, I left fall outside. The Christmas sprinkled inside a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) So anyways, we are now in the Christmas season. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving though. Um, So today we are going to finish up our study in Thessalonians. We've gone through 1 Thessalonians. Today we're going to do a Highlight summary of Second Thessalonians. Right. We couldn't just leave you hanging. Yeah, you know, how like, it ends. <laughs> yeah, we took some time in First Thessalonians, but we were like, man, we've got to, we've got to finish it out. That's we've right. Finish it out. So this will be our last episode in November, and then going into December, we have a whole Christmas series I'm that we're really do. looking forward to. It. Yes, this I'm is going to be fun. Going to be a lot of fun. So you know, we took, as we said, we took three weeks to simply walk through. 1 Thessalonians. Today, we're going to briefly study 2 Thessalonians. It's a very short book of the Bible, only three chapters, but full of so much wisdom and encouragement for faithful believers. You know, most of the time we take a topical approach when studying, but today we're going to do a more expository approach. We're going to go chapter by chapter in 2 Thessalonians. So 2 Thessalonians was written because someone pretending to be Paul had written a letter to the Thessalonians telling them that they were living in the tribulation, which is why they were facing so much persecution. And of course, they were confused because that didn't quite line up with what Paul had to say in his first letter to them. And in quoting John Dell in his book, the second epistle written to the Thessalonians was to assure the believers that Paul had not written the letter that caused so much confusion and to further establish them in the doctrine of the second coming of Christ. Exactly. And man, do do we not still have some controversy when it comes to end times now? Oh, yeah. And that's really why we want to talk about this today. So let's begin by looking at chapter one. Remember, we talked about in First Thessalonians how Paul was encouraged to know that the church at Thessalonica was thriving and doing well in the midst of persecution. And this wasn't an easy place to live as a Christian. Remember, we already talked about that. They were under pressure. And not only that, someone had sought to sow discord among the church by sending that letter, supposedly from Paul, to confuse them. And yet, they still remained unified, continually serving the Lord despite what they were facing all around them. So, verses 3 and 4 says... We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and that the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. The church, like we said, was under a lot of pressure, and yet they remained faithful to their work for the Lord. They were living completely surrendered to the Lord, and while none of us wants to face persecution 
as Christians, sometimes that pressure can ignite a fire under us to completely devote our lives to the Lord. And I think sometimes as American Christians, it's hard for us to understand this, but not being a Debbie Downer, it's coming, right? We Mm -hmm. never know what persecution we're going to face. And in the past few years, I think we've seen our faith under attack more than what we ever have. But remember, these are just signs of the times as we talked about through 1 Thessalonians. And we're called to look up for the rapture is near, which is what Paul had told us in the previous letter. Um, You know, we think about persecution and in the United States, goodness, if someone just says something that um, contradicts our faith, you know, we're offended in some way. But think about the other countries like Mm -hmm. in Afghanistan and Iran. There are Christians that are living there, but they have to live underground in China. They can't even have a Bible. Yes. I mean, we're so privileged here. And I think we take that for granted sometimes because there are real Christians experiencing real persecution. And, you know, I think eventually we're going to face that here, but praise the Lord, we live in such a privileged society that we're really just not seeing that right now. Yeah, we're seeing, we're definitely seeing more than what we ever have. Yes, Just the censorship when churches will post on YouTube or Facebook or, you know, we are seeing some censorship, but nothing. But, you know, what we see is just like in Thessalonica is that when, as I said, when the church is under pressure, yeah, man, that is when our faith is really can grow yeah. and become alive in ways that we have never experienced before. Right. You know, so it is bad, but you know, the Lord can take bad things and turn it into good and mm-hmm. our faith can really the light shines brighter in the darkness sometimes, you know, and so we can experience that now. You're right. So, you know, this chapter also reveals a promise that those that remain faithful will be rewarded for their unwavering faith. But those that are doing the persecuting will experience punishment for their actions. So let's look at verses seven through nine in chapter one. It says, and to you who are troubled rest with us, When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So let's just talk about what those verses mean here for a little bit. So, you know, this passage is talking about the unbelievers, right? The ones who chose not to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Well, and you know, we we always want to think of that God is love. Yeah. But he is a judge too. Yeah, right. And he even says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Mm-hmm. So those that are doing the persecuting are going to face judgment for what they're doing to God's people. people. That's right. And that is comforting to us to know that it's not our responsibility to To have to... seek revenge and seek vengeance on people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what our flesh wants to do, Mm -hmm. but we don't necessarily have to do that. But they will be punished one day. And, you know, that's why it's even so much more important for us to share the gospel. Yeah, even so in the the later times that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. So chapter one ends with these verses that I just love. It says, wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness in the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This should be a prayer of all of us. 
These words just touched my heart so much because my heart's desire should always be that God would count me and you and all of us worthy of this calling that he's placed on Mm -hmm. our lives. So what a great reward for God himself to count us worthy of this calling. And what is that calling? Edifying the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that his name would be glorified. And that's not just on Sundays, guys, right? Not just on Sundays. It's a lifelong calling that every day, every moment, we are seeking to uplift his name in everything that we do. And I think we forget that sometimes. You know, we think because we do our duty of going to church on on Sundays that we are a Christian and we're following the Lord. But it is a moment-by-moment decision to live for Him. And it is a wonderful calling. Like, what an honor that we get to represent the God of the universe as followers of Him. And we don't need to take it lightly. So let's move on to chapter two. Chapter two begins, and at a first glance, it's difficult to understand without knowing the context where it was written. And as we said before, rumors were spreading in the church concerning the coming of Christ that didn't align with what Paul had originally taught. So this is where he begins to set the record straight concerning things that will happen before Christ's return. And while we do not have the time in this episode, just in one episode, to break everything down specifically... I want to explain this the best way I can. So I'm turning to John Dell's book on First and Second Thessalonians to help in explaining and teaching this. Even in the church today, end times can be a very controversial topic. There are three different teachings, amillennial, postmillennial, and premillennial. And depending on your church, they may teach this in different ways, but all of these address the coming of Christ differently. But based on our interpretation of Scripture, we're going to look at these verses of Scripture through the lens of premillennialism, because that's how we ultimately believe the coming of Christ will come to pass. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul talked about what we call the rapture. That's the saints of God being caught up in the air. And 2 Thessalonians speaks of the return of Christ which is different than the rapture itself. So I hope that makes sense. Mm -hmm. The church will be raptured out. That's not Christ's return to the earth. That is just Mm -hmm. us being caught up in the air. And then I love this from John Dell. He says, we are told to look for the coming of Christ, not the Antichrist. We have not been appointed to experience the wrath of God, but rather to obtain the glorious saving grace of, of God, and that comes from 1 Thessalonians 5 9. So, this first part of chapter 2 is telling the church not to worry, and then he goes into more detail of what's to come, beginning in verse 7. Paul was trying to comfort their hearts concerning his teaching about the catching away of the church before the tribulation period. So, he lets them in on some things that will take place before these events. And verse 3 speaks of a falling away. This just means that there will be many who will separate themselves from the teaching of God's word. Mm-hmm. And man, aren't we oh, seeing yeah. that around Most us? Definitely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, think about all of the kids who have been raised in church, this generation of maybe young adults, that many of them are you know, separating themselves from the teachings and going to church of what their parents had taught them. Right. You know, all of that. We're seeing a lot of that happen here lately. And once again... That's the sign of the times, yeah, right? That's right. Um, John Dell says, even among the unsaved of Dave's days past, there used to be a general regard for things of God, but now the world holds the word of God and anything relative to God in contempt. Oh, man, and wouldn't you so say true. that's true? Yeah. 
I mean, so true. and that goes back to what you were saying about the censorship and, yeah. you know, just the reverence of the church that I feel like. There's no reverence. There's yeah. no regard for the church anymore. No mm-hmm. respect. No respect for God. No respect. But that even goes to no respect of authority in general. That's true. I mean, and so maybe that, maybe it's all related. That's a good point to make, mm-hmm. that maybe it's all, once you lose respect for any authority, yeah. then ultimately you lose respect for God who has authority over everything. everything. Yeah. Yeah. So verses 7 through 10 specifically address the mystery of iniquity. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. To the unbeliever, all of this is a mystery. But to the believer, it's not a mystery. It's all a part of the end times. There will be an embracing of sin we see that everywhere we yeah. turn. A push to legalize and to fully accept and approve of sin. And like I said, aren't we seeing that all around us? Everywhere. You know, I just even think of in generations past, like even if you were dabbling in sin, yeah. you worked to conceal it. Yes. You wanted to hide it because there was still some shame shame about it. But now oh, it's like there man. is no shame associated with any type of sin. Nothing. Everything goes. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it all out in the open so everyone Yep. This is know, me. That's like airing like your it, dirty laundry. Yes. Like, yeah. This I is think about I that with Facebook and everything else. People put so much out there and I'm like, this is your family's business. Like when did it yeah. become everybody else's problems the problems that you personally have right you're supposed to kind of keep that within your family but they just want to put everything out there exactly you know and time just doesn't allow us to get into all the details of this scripture because we could literally spend a whole episode or more just on these few verses but here are some things to know and understand Verse 3 talks about the son of perdition. So we're going back a few verses. This is in reference to the Antichrist. And then this scripture goes into the mystery of iniquity, which is the advancement of sin and destruction. And then verse 8 says, And then shall that wicked, this is capitalized wicked, be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So what is the one thing standing in Satan's way today? It's the Holy Spirit. And think about this. Where does the Holy Spirit dwell? It's within the believers. The Spirit of God is using the church to hold back the mystery of iniquity. But one day, the Holy Spirit will be taken out of the way. And when will that happen? When the church is raptured out of this world. All resistance to the sinful ways of the world will be taken out of the way. And that's when verse 8 references the wicked will be revealed, and that's the Antichrist. And then those left behind will enter what is called the tribulation period, which is seven years. The first three and a half will be bad. Don't get me wrong, but the final three and a half years will be begin what the Bible calls the great tribulation and the destruction and persecution is unimaginable to us today. Once again, this is just a brief overview of what Paul is talking about here. So I would highly encourage you to study the scripture out on your own. Then chapter two ends by encouraging the church. 
because you believe the gospel, you accepted salvation, you will obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, as it says in verse 14. And then he reminds them to stand fast and hold to the traditions which they were taught. That is why it is so important for us to tell others the good news of the gospel. There has begun a falling away from truth, but our job is to tell others about the saving grace of Jesus so they will not experience this time of tribulation. Then we end this teaching by looking at chapter 3. John Dell says, These books aim to instruct God's people on how to live the Christian life in light of the coming of Jesus Christ, keeping the imminent coming of Christ in the equation of our day-to-day living has definite advantages. It places our hope in the proper perspective and challenges us to live each day pleasing to our Savior. And as we mentioned, Tabitha, that's why we're doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, we want all of you to know and realize the times that we're living in and how important it is to share the gospel with others. You know, Mm -hmm. we may can reach people here on this platform and in our personal lives that you can't reach, but you're also got a greater reach than we do. You're going to be able to reach people that we can't. So it's so very important that we share the good news of the gospel really before it's too late. You know, and that's also a good reminder to us too, that, you know, when our eyes are on our current situation, whatever that may be, we are less likely to tell others about Christ and to share the gospel with them. But when our eyes are fixed on Jesus Mm -hmm. and the bigger picture of everything, then we are more likely to have a heart to want to share the gospel with others. And so, you know, that's just, just a reminder to everyone just to, to keep your eyes on the main thing. Like don't lose sight of the main thing. Keep the main thing, the main thing. That's right. (laughs) In the first part of chapter three, Paul says, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified. Paul was asking the church for prayer. And what a reminder for each of us to pray for our church leaders, our pastors, our Sunday school teachers, our music ministers. And, you know, Ashley and I are even asking for prayer from you all as well. While we're not preachers, God has graciously given us a platform to teach his word, and we never want to lead someone astray. But our prayer is that we will glorify God through the teaching of his word. And just as Paul said that the word of the Lord may have free course, you know, we were once told that we sometimes Mm -hmm. read too much scripture. And we took that critique to heart because we want to expound on the word of God in the best way that we possibly can. But after much prayer, we can't get away from the reading of God's word. It's through the word of God that lives are changed. I can tell you my thoughts on things all day long, but through God's word and the working of the Holy Spirit, that's where salvation will come. That's where lives are sanctified. So we will continue to read what he places on our heart because we know that many of you may be writing down the road, cleaning your house, and you don't have a Bible right in front of you. So we want you to hear the word of God because that's where lives are changed and not just take our word for it. And then, but if you are sitting at home and you do have your Bible, you can follow along with us, that's you know? Right. So yeah. I, we think that that's very important. We think the scripture is of, very yeah. important. The reading of God's word is very important. Yeah. So I'm off my soapbox now. <laughs> <laughs> so to finish up 2 Thessalonians, Paul addresses what he calls those who walk disorderly. The church of Thessalonica was generous, and Paul talks about their acts of charity throughout these two letters. But some among them had become lazy. 
Basically, they were mooching off the generosity of others, so Paul reiterates the importance of those that can work to do so. He worked, and while he experienced the generosity of the church, he also knew the importance to earn a living for himself. Because of those that were not working, they had become busybodies, spreading rumors and all things that come along with being a busybody. Then he tells the church in verse 13, But ye brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Don't get tired of doing the right thing. But then he goes on to say, But those that refuse to work and hear the words of this letter, he's not an enemy, so continue to teach him what the word of God says. But at the same time, sometimes we have to make a decision to stop giving to those that are constantly needing financial help but won't work. Keep in mind, this was able-bodied Christians who are refusing to work. That's different from those that couldn't work or the widowed or orphaned that we are called to take care of. And how much how much are we seeing that in yeah. this day and age that we're living in? Able-bodied people who just won't work. And God has called right. us to work, and we're going to work in heaven. I mean, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, Well, and I think sometimes the church gets a bad rap because yeah. sometimes we, we do cut people off right. who are constantly coming to us for financial help. But we assess the situation. Yeah. We try to minister to those people and to teach them, just as Paul had said, like, here's the importance of work. This right. is why you should work. But yet they won't listen. Right. And they continue to... to want to mooch off the church yeah. or the generosity of Christians. And so, you know, that's not us being cold hearted. That's no. being a good stewards of the resources that, that God God's has given, given us. us. Yeah. There are true people out there that are in need and we are called to help them. We're right. called to help the widowed. We're called to help the orphaned. And I think sometimes we get bogged down helping the people that just refuse to work. work that yeah. The other people that we are called to help. Right. They're suffering. They're suffering. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that. I Hundred percent. So, Tabitha, what's the purpose for us teaching about this today? Paul concludes this second epistle to the Thessalonians by saying in chapter three, verse sixteen, "Now the Lord of peace Himself give you peace always, by all means. The Lord be with you all." As we look back on this entire chapter, it's to give us peace not to fear or worry about what's to come. When we know what's going to happen, we don't have to live in fear because we know that the God of the universe is in control and he cares for us, his people. We did a whole episode on peace when we covered the fruit of the spirit, but the purpose of this teaching is that when we see the signs of the end times, you know, we might can become anxious, but as Christians, we can experience peace that only the Lord of peace himself can give. And that is found through the working of the Holy Spirit within those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus as their Savior. That's right. And I always wonder how people who are not saved, who do not have that relationship with Jesus, how they deal with the end know. times and things that are going on around us. Just tribulation and peer. I mean, we're all, yeah. we live in a fallen world. We're yeah. going to face sickness. We're going to face death. Right. We're going to face all of those things. But where does your hope lie? Right. Where's your hope after yeah. all Yeah, and I can look at those situations, and sure, they may make me sad, yeah. and I may get discouraged from time to time, but ultimately, I can look to God and know that there's a purpose, and there's a plan, and there's a greater day coming. I That's can't right. imagine living in this world without that hope. Me neither. I know there's going to be a brighter day. I know. So what's the challenge, Tabitha, for our listeners this week? 
live with the coming of Christ in the forefront of your mind. And we talked about this, to continually looking to him to guide you through his word. Hold fast and stay strong in the teachings of God's word because we are in a time in history that is so important. We have an opportunity now to witness and shine a light in a world that is quickly falling away from the traditions of God's word. And that's why it's so important that we hold fast. We study the scripture so that we are so confident in our beliefs that when an opportunity presents itself to share the gospel, we don't shy away, but we remain bold in sharing the truth of salvation in love. I love that. So good. Tapta, how about we just end this episode with a word of prayer? Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you today. Lord, we thank you, God, for the hope that we have through your son, Jesus, God. Um, we know that when things look devastating around us, God, that we can look to you knowing that you are in control and nothing happens on this earth um, without it going through you first, God, but that you love your people, God, and you are going to hold true to your word. And we just need to continue to trust you in everything. God, we love you and we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for listening today. We hope you have enjoyed this little mini series we've done on First and Second Thessalonians. Remember to go out there, be bold in your faith, and let's win some souls to the Lord. We don't know how much time we have left. Right. Thank you so much for tuning in. Join us next week as we begin our Christmas series. We're looking forward oh, to I that. <laughs> Remember, as always, a sincere desire to become purposeful women of God starts with changing focus from me to thee. God bless from our hearts to yours. See ya. Bye.